So where do you call home? It is an innocent question, a casual question, a get-to-know-you kind of question by someone you've just met, a question that begs for an easy answer that can bridge to a fuller conversation. And yet there is something about it that always makes me pause. So where do you call home? Is this a grammatically creative variation on where do you live? In other words, when you leave this place to go home, where will you go? Where do I live? Well, San Luis Obispo, of course. And yes, I have happily made this place my home. But the question, where do you call home, alludes to something more or other than the simple information about a home address. It occupies some murky area between where do you live and where are you from? Where am I from? I answer that in different ways at different moments. Sioux Falls, South Dakota is where I was born. Cedar Rapids, Iowa is where I grew up, living there from ages 7 to 17. Minnesota, where I lived in a few different cities and passed from young adulthood into no longer young adulthood. And though any single one of these can serve as an answer at different times, there are also those times when I will be inspired to regale the lucky listener with a more nuanced response. Stumbling past the casual spirit of the question, I will say something like, well, I was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but we only lived there until I was seven years old, so there's not a whole lot I remember, and some of what I think I do remember is probably just stuff that I heard about later. But then we moved to, and I can see the person who asked the simple question, so where are you from, pull back a bit with that TMI too much information expression on their face, and I realize this is probably not the time for me to work out in spoken word the complexities of my own understanding of where I'm from and or my mercurial response to where and what I call home. Because that's the other piece of it, right? Where do you call home? The question is not simply some mixture of where are you from and where do you live, but also a question about how we define home, where you call home. The place you call home depends on what you call home. How do we know ourselves to be home? The theme for this month is sanctuary. And I think that plays into, explicitly or implicitly, my definition of home. A place of refuge, of comfort, of rest, of safety. A place where one is welcomed, where one belongs. This place can change over time as we move around the seasons of our lives on the carousel of time, we can lose the sense of home in a place that once held it, whether through changing circumstances or estrangement or betrayal or separation. We sometimes create a new sense of home in a place that did not previously hold it as we engage with the new context, build relationships, create a life. 
We leave home, we start a home, we make a home, we go home, we come home, we feel at home, or do not feel at home. We bid you welcome who enter this place as a homecoming, who have found here room for your spirit, who find in this people a family. For all too many people, their literal homes, the places they live, are not homes in the sense of sanctuary at all. Their homes are not places of refuge, but of danger caused by addiction, abuse, anger, frustration. Where they live is not a place of comfort and belonging, but of isolation, desolation, rejection, or dehumanization. Some people have never enjoyed a sense of home from childhood on because of these and other reasons. And there are over half a million people in this country whose status we have grown accustomed to describing as homeless. While the separation of families at our border and the activities of homeland security raise the question of who is allowed into one's home and how that is decided and by who, as well as what it is that threatens a sense of home. So home is big. It holds a lot. And I do not intend to try and unpack all of these pieces in a single sermon. But what I invite you to reflect on today is that basic, ingrained, existential yearning for home that we humans seem to carry with us. A yearning that does not, often does not feel fully quenched even as we find and create homes. It expresses itself as a primal need, a practical undertaking, a societal expectation, a spiritual aspiration, a poetic image, home. I would hazard to say, with absolutely no hard numbers or real data to back me up, mind you, but I would hazard to say that there are probably more song lyrics about home than about any other single topic besides love. You can quote me on that baseless speculation. (laughs) There's just something about the idea of home. We are all longing to go home to some place we have never been, writes Starhawk. A place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. I read that and thought, yes. There is something about the idea of home that is elusive, just beyond reach. Something about where we have been, yes, and also about where we have not yet been. Interestingly enough, most of those songs I was thinking of when I made my previous baseless speculation are about being away from home, or going home, or leaving home, or looking for a home, and very few I can think of about being home. Take me home, country roads. Six days on the road, am I going to make it home tonight? I ain't got no home. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. I'll be home for Christmas. Homeward bound. I wish I was. I think this is because the experience of arriving home 
as satisfying and comforting as that may be, never quite satisfies that more existential yearning for home, that longing to go home to some place we have never been, as Starhawk writes. Because while home may be strongly identified with that explicit place designated as our home, it is also a place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. That is why, though I no longer subscribe to the particular theology that undergirds these songs, I can't help but be moved by the old gospel tunes. There's a better home awaiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. I've got a home in that yonder city, and it's not, oh Lord, it's not, not made by hand. They speak to that elusive nature of home, that it is never quite captured in this life. But rather than thinking that my home is somewhere else, I began to think that it is something else. That quite possibly home is not a place at all. And then I read the reflection from Herman Hesse that you heard in the reading. Wow. Now, one of my secret insecurities, no longer secret, (laughs) is that I do not feel myself to be the nature-loving person that one might expect a UU minister should be. I am something far short of the naturalist philosopher in the Henry David Thoreau model. I would prefer to read Thoreau. Thank you. I am struck often by my ignorance about the details of the natural world around me, most especially when they are pointed out by other people, sometimes visitors to the area in which I happen to be living, who quickly know more than I do about my surroundings. I am not really a hiker, a serious biker, or an enthusiastic liker of extended stays in out-of-the-way places. Still in all, I am not infrequently awed by the beauty of this place in which I live, overtaken with the smell of flowers and fruit, held wrapped, if only for a few moments, under a night or early morning sky full of stars, grateful when spinning, tangling, twisting thoughts and worries and concerns are silenced as we walk on the beach with the sound of the surf drowning out for a time the ongoing static of everydayness. And every so often there is something I run across in my beloved books that take me out of my head for a bit and lead me back to paying attention to the life that surrounds me every day. Hesse convinced me that I need to pay more attention to trees. He speaks of a longing to wander a longing for home, which he says is embedded in the longing to wander when he hears trees rustling in the wind at evening. I know that feeling. He says trees preach the ancient laws of life if we know how to listen. Saying, a kernel is hidden in me, a spark, a thought. I am life from eternal life. The attempt and the risk that the Eternal Mother took with me is unique. Unique the form and veins of my skin. 
unique, the smallest play of leaves in my branches and the smallest scar on my bark. That, I think, is a beautiful evocation of what we mean by the inherent worth and dignity of every person, of the gospel, the good news of Unitarian Universalism, the attempt and the risk that the Eternal Mother took with each of us is unique. Every one of us can uniquely, unrepeatably be a blessing to the world. Trees are sanctuaries, says Hesse. How is that, I wondered. That is so different from my understanding of sanctuary as a hidden place, a place inside, a place protected. All the characteristics of a tree are quite the opposite, standing out there, eminently visible, reaching to the sky, exposed to the elements. Yet when we are stricken and cannot bear our lives any longer, then a tree has something to say to us. Be still, be still, look at me. Life is not easy. Life is not difficult. Those are childish thoughts. Home is neither here nor there. Home is within you or home is nowhere at all. Home is within me? No wonder it is elusive. For while I may grow in self-understanding and awareness, that growth is never complete. No wonder I catch home only in glimpses, for my inner world is never static, but a swirling, ever-changing response to the world which I inhabit. If home is neither here nor there, it means that it is not a particular place or structure. It is not, O oh Lord, it is not, not made by hand, but something we create for ourselves and one another, haltingly, imperfectly, inconsistently, but we do. We create homes, we create sanctuary, taking what is in us and letting it shine from us in compassionate acts, like at Echo. Assuring ourselves and one another that not only are we unique, but that we are welcomed in our uniqueness, that we are valued in our uniqueness, that we belong. We bid you welcome who enter this place as a homecoming, who have found here room for your spirit, who find in this people a family. When we have learned how to listen to trees, Hesse promises, then the brevity and the quickness and the childlike hastiness of our thoughts achieve an incomparable joy. If we learn how to listen to trees, we will want to be nothing except what we are. That is home, he says. That is happiness. Welcome home. 